Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. You're not a grumbler, right? Chances are you would say right, even if you are a grumbler. Most complainers don't think of themselves as complainers. But ask yourself this, how uplifting is your speech most days? We're studying James 5.9, which says, Don't grumble against each other, brothers, so that you will not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the door. The verb in verse 8 is actually in the perfect tense, which is really fascinating. It means it's completed action. That's perfect tense. So literally, it's strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming has drawn near. It's over. It's done. The drawing near is over. That's a completed action. He's already made his way to the gate. He's right there, right outside the gate. And he could just burst through that at any time. Imagine some kids in a classroom and the teacher leaves for a while and then, the, and then comes back and, and everyone hears his footsteps as he approaches the door and then they stop right there outside the door. Now everybody knows he's standing right outside the door, but nobody knows when he'll open it. That's the picture. That's the picture. And again, he's saying, live, live with your eye on the door. Live your life with the eye on that door. Remember um, the, the old uh, Larry Norman song? Some of you might. might. Man, and wife, man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise. She turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. James wants us to be ready. So he calls us to strengthen our hearts as we anticipate his return so that we will be ready. We need to do that, especially when we're suffering. And if you're wondering how to do that, I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on that because I already did. That's, that's back in chapter 1, a whole series of sermons. He told us how to do that. The way to become a strong and steadfast in perseverance so that you're not double-minded and flopping back and forth is by having the right response to suffering and trials. Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Perseverance is like a muscle. Remember, you persevere through the little stuff and then you, your perseverance muscle gets a little stronger. You can persevere through more uh, and, and eventually get to the point where you're strong. You, you get to the point of maturity. That's how you strengthen your heart. All right, so be strong. Now let's move on to verse 9. I told you there's three commands. Um, that three, three things we need to do when we're being mistreated. So far we've seen the first two. Be patient, then be strong. Number three is in verse 9. Verse 9, don't grumble against each other, brothers, so that you will not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the door. So that's the third command. What do we need to remember when times are tough? Verse 7, be patient. Verse 8, be strong. Now verse 9. Be nice. Be nice. Don't grumble against each other. Notice the word against. It's important that we understand that there's no such thing as neutral grumbling. You've never had a neutral grumble in your life. All grumbling is against someone. It's an assault against a person, either God or people. Whenever we complain about circumstances, ah, oh, this weather's so hot, I can't stand it, or, uh, hate the snow, or, you know, stupid traffic, all that kind of grumbling, that's, who's in charge of circumstances? God is. So we grumble against circumstances, we're grumbling against God. I love that response. Uh-oh. <laughs> we're grumbling against God, and in many cases our grumbling turns against each other, doesn't it? We, either things get tough, things get hard, pressure comes, and right away we start assigning blame. Whose fault is this? 
Something went wrong. Whose fault? And somehow we forget. We're not the judge. It just, it just slips our mind that we're not the master that all the servants in the church are answerable to. We, 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 just, we just want to figure out who's to blame so we can just get on with blaming them. And so, what if no one's to blame? Well, that's okay. We'll grumble against each other anyway just because we're irritable. And that, you can see that again and again. You can have a team of people. We saw this in the last few years when we went through some hard times. You can have a team of people who are working together in a church, you know, some ministry team. If you just think of a group like the praise team or the elder board or some, some team of people, and, and when, when things are going well, they get along fine. They love each other. They handle their differences biblically. They never get into fights and quarrels. Uh, they trust each other, all that. But then some suffering comes. Then some pressure comes. And some things go wrong. And the pressure starts to bear down. And the thing that, the first thing you know is they're, they're picking at each other. And, and then they start grumbling about each other. And they start becoming suspicious about each other's motives. And, and, and all that unity they had is out the window. This is what happens with suffering. It's natural. And so James is addressing that. It happened to this church. So, so, so he says, don't grumble. And the word grumble, it's a very broad term. It can even refer to anything as much as a, a groan or a sigh. Actually, that's what it literally means. See, sometimes our grumbling against each other, each other can be very subtle, can't it? Just, just certain person's name is mentioned and you just, you know, just sigh a little bit, roll your eyes a little bit. And, and even that, James says, is inviting judgment from God. Don't grumble. James is, he just won't give up on this. He's been hammering on this the whole book. That's why I said, I think this was probably the main purpose of this book. Chapter 1, be humble and slow to anger, right? Then chapter 2, anyone who doesn't show mercy will be judged without mercy. And then chapter 3, you're speaking against each other, uh, who are, you're speaking against people who are made in the image of God. My brothers, this should not be. And in the end of chapter 3, get rid of envy and selfishness and pride and replace it with a heart that's peace-loving. Be a peacemaker. And then chapter 4, what's causing these quiet fights and quarrels among you? Then the middle of chapter 4, don't speak against your brother or judge him or you'll be judged. And now here in chapter 5, he's at it again. He's at it again. Don't grumble against one another or you'll be judged. He just won't let this go. It's so important to James and to the Holy Spirit that we learn the principles of peacemaking in times of trouble. If you made a list of the really big sins, stealing, physical abuse, murder, things like that, for most people, grumbling would never even make that list. But if you look at how God responds to grumbling in Scripture, you see it really is among those sins God hates the most. God once killed 14,700 Israelites for the sin of grumbling in number 16. And he warns us about receiving the same punishment if we grumble in 1 Corinthians 10.10. God really hates complaining. And this is tricky sin because most complainers don't think they're complainers. They think they're just observing reality. A bunch of bad stuff happens. You point that out, all you're doing is telling the truth, right? Wrong. If you were telling the whole truth you'd be talking a whole lot more about good things than negative things. Isn't it true that we're always receiving more blessing from God than trouble? And grumbling doesn't just report what's happening. It reports it with a hostile attitude. It's not constructive. It's not necessary. It's not helpful. All it does is bring everyone down, including you. What about your speech? Are there things you grumble about? Weather, 
traffic, aches and pains, government, your boss, co-workers, family members. Make an effort today to be uplifting in your speech. As often as possible, call people's attention to God's blessings instead of things that are going wrong. Let's pray. Dear Father, my patterns of speech are so ingrained, most of the time I don't even think about them. Help me to notice moments when I can speak either edifying or non-edifying words. Make me alert to the opportunities to be uplifting. Let all unwholesome talk leave a bad taste in my mouth. Teach me to speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. Keep me from grieving your spirit with my words. Keep me from displeasing the one who sealed me for the day of redemption. Help me throw off all bitterness, anger, irritability, malice, or any kind of hostile speech. Make me kind and compassionate, forgiving people just as in Christ you forgave me. Help me to imitate you, God, as a dearly loved child, so I can live a life of love, just as Christ loved me and gave himself up for me as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to you. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.